born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Why don't you go ahead and turn in your Bible to the book of Philippians, because that's uh, where we're going to be talking on this morning. Look there in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, and look in verse 7, and verse 7. Generally, we refer to, you know, the mind is where we store our knowledge. It's like the hard drive on a computer. But there still has to be something that makes it work, something that triggers it. And many times the, the word heart can refer to the person. We often talk about, you know, the, uh, the will, the emotions, and so forth of man. And uh, it's what motivates and stirs you up and makes you angry and brings all those evidences of life to the forefront. But when you want peace of mind, it's not can't be just that there's some facts stored up. It's also that because you as an individual can have peace because you're trusting in those facts. So the mind has to have the knowledge, but you have to trust in the facts. And the heart of man, who you are, must believe what you're heard, you've heard. Uh, many people like to use the, the heart terminology referring down here to this thing that pumps blood. Uh, the heart here just pumps blood through your body. Uh, now we do when we think and feel uh, certain things of joy and so forth, it can affect the heart muscle because it causes it to pump blood. You ever been afraid? Sometimes it feel like your heart stops or it can start pumping blood fast or if somebody says something to embarrass you. Those are feelings that affects the body. But I don't like using too much heart terminology uh, because... Some people, they pull the coat out like this and say, you must let Jesus into your heart. Well, he doesn't come in here. It's what you believe up here. And so when we're talking about making your request known unto the Lord, and then look what he says there in verse 6. I want you to see this. He said, be careful for nothing or anxious, worry, and so forth. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding or human understanding, shall keep or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So there are both of these in the same verse. So they're not necessarily the exact same thing, but 
when a man tells a girl, you know, you know, I love you with all my mind, doesn't sound as exciting, perhaps, as I love you with all my heart. And how many times we say, I love you with all my heart. Well, you're talking about you really love the person, that your love is real, that it's genuine, and so on. So um, anyway, uh, there might be a better way of explaining that, but that's the best that I can do under the short knowledge. Uh, I do not believe it has anything to do with here down. I believe that as a man thinketh in his heart, so you do think, and it has to be up here with the brain. Some people say, well, you're going to miss heaven by 18 inches, you know, between a head knowledge and a heart belief. Oh, you might believe it in your head, but do you believe it in your heart? Either I believe it or I don't believe it. I don't get into that. It's either you believe it or you don't believe it. And uh, I love you with all my heart. Well, you could say I love you with all my mind. doesn't sound very romantic. But uh, some people know what you're talking about. So anyway, but to guard and to keep your minds. So you may have some facts that, like Christ died, that's history. He died for me. I mean, I believe that. Then that's salvation. And so the heart refers to, that's, that's you. That's you. Do you believe what you've heard? You have facts, and some kids can go through Bible school and Sunday school, and they learn all these verses, but they ain't got a clue what they mean. They don't trust in them. They don't walk according to them. And so somewhere down the road, sometime 10, 15 years later, those verses come back to their mind, and next thing you know, they begin to understand and walk according to it. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Now, what if they, you hid them here, and they take that heart out, and now they, you got a heart transplant, and they gave you another one of an atheist. Jesus is in my heart, but now I just gave my heart to somebody else, and they gave me a new one. Now I got another heart in here, and it's a heart of an atheist. Now, where did Jesus go? See, that's, that's just an organ that pumps blood through your body. But to hide thy words in my heart, it means the word of God is in your mind. But I've learned to trust in it, that I might not sin against thee. See, there's two things in the verse. And there's uh, the heart and the mind, talked about here in the book of Philippians in chapter 4. Does that help at all? Any other question? You can ask me the question you want. Um, is anybody in here that went to uh, um, the uh, Awana meeting yesterday? Yeah, but there was a Awana meeting yesterday, too. Who, there's one person that went to the Awana meeting yesterday. And uh, let me just kind of give you a brief review. We went over there. It was about 8.30, and most of everybody was there. I think we had a total of about 24 or something like that. And now uh, that's a good representative group from our group. We had finished eating. I think it was about 12.30, something like that. Meeting started at quarter till one. And um, we're trying to say, okay, where are we going to go? A couple of them told me, says, we're going to go to the class that's going to tell them how to lead a soul to Christ. How to lead children to the Lord. Oh, that ought to be a good class, especially for the, you know, want to worker. They ought to know how to lead somebody to the Lord. I mean, who cares if you can get them there if you can't lead them, lead them to the Lord? So we had, um, I think, probably seven, eight of them that was in the classroom. And others went to different classrooms. So while we're in the classroom, the teacher is going to tell you why we need to be special 
clear on the gospel and to watch what we say and how we say it and keeping it clear. And he was anything but clear. He was trying his best, his dead level best, to explain the gospel and how to make it clear. Well, I could see by the literature that it wasn't clear. It was totally wrong. And he's trying to make it so clear. Now, he's doing his best. I have no doubt that the man knows the Lord, loves the Lord. He just doesn't know how to make it clear. And he's teaching all these Hawana workers on how to make it clear. But I just mind my own business. I just sat there in my little chair. And it wasn't long before somebody raised their hand. And when he raised his hand, well, he got called on, and he says, you are anything but clear. <laughs> well, I, I can't say the tact was, you know, overwhelming. And, uh, but um, Mike could use a few lessons on, you know, how to be more tactful. But, but he was straightforward, and nobody misunderstood what he said. And it was Joe Haggerty. And so Joe opened up the conversation. And from there, oh boy, you would have been proud of about five or six or seven of these that spoke up in the meeting and said what they thought. But I don't think the guy that was doing the talking knew that they all came from the same church. Now, there was probably 40 in the room, I guess, wouldn't you say? Good 40 or so. And uh, we had about seven of them in there, but they were spread out a little bit and... Uh, one would say something, and then the next one would say something, and then it was interesting watching the, the speaker trying to figure out what he did say, what he didn't mean to say, what he should have said. And it was, uh, <laughs> I just sat there and just listened to the whole thing because I didn't have to say much because they were doing a very fine job. And um, what he had done is he had taken some paper from a Lifeway literature and copied it and put it with Awana's paper. And they are not clear on the gospel. And they were saying that not only must you trust Christ as your Savior, but the children must promise to serve the Lord, to be saved. Now, you try to explain that to a child. Now, you're saved by grace. It's totally free. But you must promise to serve the Lord. And it's written there. It says it word for word, just like I'm saying it. Didn't it say that? says that. Oh, you weren't in there? All right. But, oh, you heard about it. Oh, my wife's even got a copy of it. But anyway, we had uh, some of our people that spoke up and said what they should have said. Because not to would cause everybody in there to think, well, we all agree with this. We're all in the same agreement. But we're not in agreement. Plus, it challenges the man to think twice before he says this in another class or in another meeting someplace. And you can't just reach out there and get a, a person to speak in Awana and expect them to be clear. They have to be clear. And when you're not clear, and you are clear, you can see it. People who come to Calvary Community Church, you're ruined. Because once you really understand the clarity of the gospel and you go someplace else, 
A preacher can talk for about five minutes and you can feel that whether he's right or he's wrong. Whether he's on the money, he's off. And you can detect when somebody's adding a little work to the gospel. And other people just, they don't see it. And he says, well, what I mean to say is, is if you are saved, you have a new heart and therefore you are a new person and therefore there's going to be an outward manifestation of what's going on on the inside. And it's automatic. It's going to happen. But we don't believe that. We believe a person should, but they don't have to. Now, I want you to take your Bible, look here in the book of Philippians in chapter 2. Now, the apostle Paul has been writing here from the uh, prison cell, and he um, is saying some things that you and I need to take heed even after you trust the Lord. But he, he warns him about not having confidence in the flesh. Uh, look there in verse 2 of chapter 3. He says, beware, beware, beware. Three times he says, beware. Beware of what? Well, he says some things that you may have trouble understanding what it means. So in order to understand what beware means, what well, you just look at the last part of verse 3. And have no, get done, uh, you got on the line, no confidence in the what? In the flesh. In other words, you beware lest somebody tries to teach you to have confidence in the flesh. Well, what does that mean when it comes to salvation? Well, if you tell a man he has to make Christ the Lord of his life in order to be saved, you're telling a man to put confidence in the flesh. He has to perform. He has to do something worthy to be saved or to prove that he is saved. But it all comes back to the flesh. It comes back to you. Does my salvation going to heaven, does it depend on me or does it depend on the Lord? You cannot earn eternal life. You cannot work your way to heaven. Salvation is the gift. And God says it is not of yourselves, not of works. It means don't have confidence in the flesh. That you can perform. You can do it. You can't do it. People say, well, if the mind can conceive it, then the body can achieve it. No, it can't. Think of how many religious people there are in the world who says, I can do this thing. I can live good enough to go to heaven. And God says, no, you can't. So people around the world think they have to go to church, give money, all these things in order to go to heaven. No, you don't. And that's what blows most people's mind. They just, for a preacher to tell somebody you don't have to be good to go to heaven, it's just unnatural. You're saying, i got to be bad? <laughs> no, it's whatever you are. You're a sinner. And people ought to recognize you. We are sinners. So we cannot save ourselves. So he says not to put confidence in the flesh. Uh, look at verse 4. Although I might also have, and on the line, these three words, confidence in the flesh. So he's going to give them now some reasons why he could have confidence in the flesh. But we're not supposed to have confidence in the flesh. Uh, look there now in verse 1. I want you to see this. He says, finally, my brother. Now, how do you like writing a letter like this? And he puts up the word, finally. Have you ever wrote a letter and then you say, finally, or in conclusion, and you think that the end is near. If you said finally, wouldn't you think that well, the end is near? 
I mean, he's at the end of his message, right? Not exactly, not with Paul. He writes two more chapters after he said, finally. And not only that, he said, finally here, uh, but then he also says in verse 8 of chapter 4, finally, brethren. Well, finally means he's going to say something that finalizes the topic of what he's been talking about. And then after that, he's going to say some more stuff. And then he's going to finalize that. Uh, haven't you read in the book of uh, Romans in chapter 3? Therefore, we conclude. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. We conclude. Okay, this is the conclusion. Now, in the book, no, still had 13 chapters to go. So, when you understand how he wrote, you find out that there's a there's an element of truth here that he's been trying to explain. And then he says, now, in conclusion, or finally, let me explain what I've been telling you. You and I are not supposed to have confidence in the flesh. As a Christian, we're not supposed to have confidence in the flesh. Now, as you go down here and you read these verses, it can be referring to, I guess you could use it both ways because flesh is flesh. But one, as you look at salvation, should a lost man that doesn't know where he's going when he dies have confidence that he can save himself? You would say, well, well, no. Or what about a person who trusts Christ as Savior? Now he has eternal life. And you're going to heaven when you die. Paul is still telling the Christian not to have confidence in the flesh. Because as you look at these verses, it's not just referring to because it says in verse 9, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Down in verse 9. But I want you to see some things here that I think will help explain what in the world is he talking about then? Because it's, it very, it's very interesting. Especially when, if you've got an old scope of reference Bible and then you turn the page and you look at the next verse, verse 10. What in the world is he talking about? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. What's that got to do with what? He's a man that's in prison. And he's writing this by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's revealed things to him and God is using a man to write it in Scripture and you and I can read and understand what's going on. Who would have ever thought that? Here's a man in prison. Oh, devil said, boy, I got him. Yeah, he just had some time to write a book. How many people have read this letter that he wrote while he was in prison? Boy, didn't he waste his time in there? Look at all that wasted time. Yeah, who knows how long it was in there. But was it wasted time? Look at the book and how many people have read this book, this letter. Devil don't win. He says, finally, my brethren. So brethren means we're talking to the believers, right? We're talking to those that know the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, there's going to be some things that are going to happen in your life that's going to keep you from rejoicing. Uh, look what he says there in chapter 4. And notice what he says in verse 3. Verse 3 says, 
And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with others, my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, 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 rejoice. So between there and here, we're talking about learning how to rejoice. But there's something that's going to happen in your life that keeps you from rejoicing. Well, 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 what would that be? When you get to where you put confidence in the flesh and not trusting in the Lord. So as a child of God, God continually teaches you as his children not to trust your judgment. It is not within man that walketh to direct his own step. In other words, God says you don't have it within you to direct your step in the right way. That's why you need the Lord. So the Holy Spirit comes within you and dwells within you to teach you the Word of God so that God, the Holy Spirit, can lead and guide you. If you don't follow Him, you're going to follow yourself. And God don't have confidence in your judgment, in your wisdom. Lean not up to thy own understanding. In all thy ways, thank God, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path. So, not to have confidence in the flesh. In the book of Jeremiah, it talks about, Cursed is the man that putteth his confidence in man. That means yourself too. Don't trust yourself. You don't have all the smarts you think you do. You're not as wise as you think you are. So you lean upon what does the word say. Trust this when it seems like you've got all the answers. You know what you're doing. You don't need to study. You don't need to obey God just because I know what I'm doing. And you trust in your own talents, your own wisdom, your own abilities. And God's going to have to humble you. So the problems of life that God has set in order are going to show you and humble you and bring you down. Because when you go in the energy of the flesh or having confidence in your old man, your old nature, your wisdom, and so forth, uh, then God says that he's going to have to humble you. And he humbles us by giving us problems you can't solve. And those problems become weights that destroy you. And you did it to yourself. Now, it don't have to happen that way, but it's to reveal you can't put confidence in the flesh. This is what causes nervous breakdowns. This is what causes people to be little worry warts. This is what robs you of your peace and your joy and your happiness. This is why you can't rejoice in the Lord always, regardless of what's going on. You can still rejoice. But when you can no longer rejoice, there's something else that's going on. You're not as strong as you think you are. You're trusting in the flesh. Now, look what he says here in verse one, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you to me is indeed not grievous, but for you it is safe. In other words, I'm trying to help you. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Now, you know that all three of these is referring to people, just different kinds. Whether it refers to the Gentiles and the concision of those who mutilate the, 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 the teaching concerning circumcision and trying to put that upon you and Jewish people trying to put you under the law. He says they're evil workers. Listen, they're all trying to get you to put confidence in the flesh. He says don't trust it. And don't surround yourself with people who teach in error. Know the truth, stick with the truth. And then he makes a statement in verse 3, for we are the circumcision 
which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. You that have trusted Christ as your saviors because you had no confidence in the flesh that circumcision would save you. That means you don't believe that being under the law is going to help you be saved. So you rejected that. You put your confidence in the Lord and not in the flesh, the things that you can do. So I'm writing to the brethren. Don't let them put you back under the law. You've got to watch out for legalistic teaching. So then he says in verse 4, now he said, if you want to brag, you want to boast about how great you are and look who I, look who I am. He says, though I might have also confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh. So see there, it's talking about somebody trusting in the flesh and putting confidence in the flesh. Now you can't do it for salvation. And you can't do it for service. So he says that he might trust in the flesh, I more. Now look, he mentions a bunch of things down through here. And I, each one of these in my mind, I thought, okay, circumcised the eighth day. All right, I'll give him 10 points for that. I am uh, of uh, this tribe. I'll give him 10 points for that. I'm a Pharisee, 10 points for that. And by the time you get through and you add them all up, ah, oh, he still didn't get 100. Still come short. And some people think because of, look who I am. Therefore, that ought to be an advantage. And it's not just because you take baths regularly and you have a good paying job and you can wear a three-piece suit and you look clean and clean cut and, and speak clear. You ought to go to heaven. And those drunks out there laying in the gutter, those old winos, they ought to go to hell, right? I mean, look how much better I am. In God's eyes, God says there is no difference. Ooh, no difference. He's a sinner, and guess what? So are you. So am I. I can't save myself, and neither can he. And there's a lot of ecclesiastical, pharisaical hypocrites. They look down their long, fair, silicone nose at everybody else, and they think they're like Kellogg's cornflakes, just a little bit better. You remember that commercial they used to have, uh, just a little bit better? Man, I remember that. It's just like that Folgers cough, you know, good to the last drop. I've always wondered what was wrong with the last drop. It's good to the last drop, but something's wrong with the last drop. Oh, it was Maxwell House. I, I knew I'd get it messed up. I was just seeing if somebody knew the commercial. See there. See, that was a lie, wasn't it? Was that a lie? Yeah. I try to deceive. See how wicked we are? But anyway, so he says in verse 5, Circumcise the eighth day, the stock of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal. I persecuted the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. I didn't say he was perfect, he was blameless. He said, I did everything that I'm supposed to do. And look at me, I am somebody. But you know, whenever he got it all boiled down and he realized that regardless of who I am and what I've done, he says, I count all of that. And you're not going to like this word, but I'm going to have to show it to you anyway. Look in verse 7. But what things were gained to me, all those things that tells you who I am and look what I've done, he says, I counted loss for Christ. In other words, if I trust in that, I can't have Christ. 
If I trust in that because of who I am, I'm a Pharisee and I can keep the law and all this. If I trust that, then I can't have Christ. So what did he decide to do? I would rather lose all of that, but no confidence in all that, that I may have Christ. You see, you can't trust both. You can't trust in your good works to get you to heaven and have Christ too. You see, Christ can only save those people who are trusting Him only. If you're trusting the flesh and Christ, then you're not trusting either one. It's either Him or nothing. Telling someone how to go to heaven is the greatest thing we can do in this life. To prepare you, Pastor Yankee Arnold is offering you his book, Gospel Driven Man, absolutely free. Gospel Driven Man explains in simple steps how to successfully share the gospel. To get your free copy of Gospel Driven Man, write to Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Or email Yankee Arnold at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.